This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Woo Verse. It's a deep dive into energy, self, and soul awakening. Uh, I'm your host, Kira Lee. And I'm Lynette. And we are both intuitives. We're energy workers, we're friends, and now we're podcast buddies. Uh, we're here to help you understand and navigate your energy systems. And and so today's a bit of a special one for us. We were very lucky for our first few episodes to be in the same place, but that's not our usual situation. We um We don't live in the same place. I don't actually live anywhere. I'm always on the road. So today we are meeting each other out in the ether, and it's different, isn't it? It's beautiful, but it's different. Well, it's really interesting because we're kind of connecting on a real energy level now. We're not necessarily in the physical room together all the time. We're just out there in the woo-woo-verse and it's the true energy that we decided we wanted to create this on anyway, that it didn't matter what was happening in the physical world. It was all about what was out there. And it's how we do most of our work as well. We, When we read people, we tend to read at a distance, right? We, uh, and At least personally, I find it easier to read somebody at a distance than I do in the room. And so in mm. some level, this is, you know, technological kind of constraints or whatever aside, this is actually a very familiar situation for both of us to be in. Yeah, like for years, I read everybody in front of me. And it's that very personal experience of having that energy in the room with you on a physical level and you're sitting sitting with each other and looking at each other but then by circumstance I could only read from a distance and that energy just seemed so much more truthful after a while that there was no physical interference. It was just all what was going on in the vibe. I kind of um, describe it as when I'm reading someone in person in the room with me, it's a little like the TV and the radio are both on at the same time and mm. I'm trying to hear the radio. And then if that person's not there, it's like the TV is gone and I can just really hear the radio really clearly and it's just getting the pure the pure energy. And that's, that's always for me where the beauty is. And, and when I connect in and when I do that, I do that through, through my heart chakra. And today we're getting down to the heart of the matter, really, aren't we, Lynette? We're getting yeah. into the heart We're itself. moving on up. Yeah, baby. <laughs> New frequency. Getting into the heart chakra, um, which is, it, it's a beautiful and complicated place, the old heart chakra. Yeah, it's kind of the powerhouse of the human energy system. But I think it's also the link between the internal world, the external world, the spiritual world and the physical world. Like it's a very strong, I mean, it is a pump, right? But it's a very strong energy system pump as well as a physical world pump. Mm, for sure. You were saying to me the other day that when when we're in utero, it's actually the first, the heart is the first organ to develop. Is that right? Oh, isn't that lovely? It is the first organ to develop. It's the first thing we see ticking away there in the in the uterus. And throughout so many ages and cultures, the spiritual tradition had that the heart was the centre of the spiritual wisdom. So, for example, Egyptian times, they disregarded the brain. They were like, you don't need that. But the heart, they kept and embalmed for the next life because you were going to need 
that wisdom and that energy and that that physical world experience even to go into the next life. So it was this place that people believed held stories and sorrows and losses and scars and also ecstasies and celebrations. And when you think about it, it's true because our heart is such a powerful indicator of how we're feeling. I mean, I even know clients who have been to hospital during heartbreak thinking that there is something wrong with their heart. They've been hooked up on an ECG and said, you know, there's something wrong with my heart. And funnily enough, there is something wrong with their heart. Not not that any of that recording was visible physically sometimes, but for that period of time, I would say to them, well, there was something wrong with your heart. No wonder you were feeling it physically. I have felt physical pain in my heart during loss or great experiences of trauma or when somebody passes. So it, it makes sense that, you know, all this energy is has been seen for so many eons and ages as very, very powerful and often very much a part of intrigue when it comes to spiritual development. I think it says a lot about our our society as well, that we've gone from um, a species who saw the heart as, and, and the connection to the divine as what was worth preserving and what was powerful and what was important. And now we're a society where we dismiss that a little bit, actually. We're like, no, it's all brain. It's like what can be conceived with the brain and what can be quantified and understood. That is what is important. It's starting now to shift. So Western science used to see the heart as a pump, but now it's beginning to understand it as this powerful electromagnetic aspect of us. And neuroscientists have been discovering that the heart has its own nervous system, for example. It's so interesting. It's a network akin to our brain and it has 40,000 neurons and it gives us this amazing ability to sense and process information. And they've even started to say and acknowledge it develops a sense of memory I mean, you know, we've always known that it regulates hormones in the body and it affects our moods and our feelings of positivity because it has an experience even in the body of producing oxytocin, which some scientists say, you know, is what we would call in scientific terms love or the feelings of love, the bonding hormone. But, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that when we experience something on a cellular memory, say if you hurt me or um, I feel great celebration or love for you, that it's not just recorded in our energy system. It actually gets recorded inside our physical system in the memory of the heart cells. Amazing, really. Just take a moment to just appreciate our hearts. (laughs) I just don't know if we say I love you heart to our actual physical hearts and our energetical hearts enough, but they are... They are miraculous. Yeah, and and this concept that we're producing this electromagnetic vibration all the time and that it's actually, I think they've recorded it to be 100 times more powerful than the brain. So if you feel something, it is 100 times more powerful than if you think something. And that's pretty cool. And also if you change your heart rhythm, you can completely change the electromagnetic energy around you which is what we were talking about before. It's how we read people. It's how we connect to resonate with them and experience their field, not just our own. You know, it, it's 
God, it's mind-blowing. It is. It's mind-blowing. So incredible. And so the heart centre, there's kind of two different things we're talking about Mm. here as well, isn't there? There is the heart centre, the chakra that is located at the centre of the heart, and then there is the physical heart, which is a bit over to the left. They actually sit in different places in the body. Yeah, they they do, don't they? And yet all interestingly connected. I think Mm. that um, the heart chakra is also responsible for healing the lower part of the body. So if you've got stuff going on around your legs, your hips, your feet, but also in your tummy area, really it's going to be understanding more about what you're feeling or where you were hurt or what you were storing in that area of your heart that's going to probably set the rest of that energy and that change in motion and of course western science and medicine says well you've got to fix the body and of course we you say yep and celebrate medicine because it does work in terms of the physical world but if if you want to look at the energy reasons behind things it's often that you'll end up back in the heart chakra back Mm. around something that's been hurt or wounded emotional pain you know and where we need to let go of that that creates sort of like a waterfall you know like one of those champagne fountains that then floods the rest of the body with energy again so it is possible to be in restriction of health through your lower body because your heart is in pain. I just I'm stuck on that image of my heart as a champagne fountain now. <laughs> my heart center <laughs> is a champagne fountain. I'm going to hold on to that. That is beautiful and excellent. Mm. I think that developing a sense of tranquility in the heart is our ultimate goal as people who are striving for awareness because the tranquility and the healing of the heart really creates a positive resonance through the rest of our body and also out into the rest of the world. There is so much potential for healing in this in this part of the body. So this is the point where we go from the lower three chakras that take a lot of care of the physical world mm-hmm. and, and we, we relate to the physical world yeah and we move up into the heart chakra which really starts to then move into that feeling of the spiritual or the divine frequency coming down into the physical world so it can be a, a bit of a bridge this chakra this can't it? is a bridging chakra mm. yeah and it's it's hard to um, balance sometimes, especially if the pull of the lower chakras, your survival, something that's really tossing on you in your third chakra ego is taking your attention. It's hard to come back to this frequency, but the universe is so clever. When it wants us to get into the heart chakra, it usually grabs our attention fully because we <laughs> often come into the chakra through through shock or betrayal or something really massive loss yeah, yeah and it's usually out of our control to lose your control over the physical world and be drawn into something that is deeper than that energy that's been taking your attention means that you're starting to connect with that divine flow and force and most people will end up coming to someone for a reading or a connection or some kind of counselling because of this. And so it is an entry point. It's a doorway. Ha- and we also have to come to terms with our lack of control. Like when you get into this chakra and you get into the idea that it's not just me who controls me but there is something higher and I'm connected to it, there's something bigger at play, that is where you need to go, oh, I'm not in control of everything. I have to start surrendering things. There's something bigger operating and it's more about the the material and the here and the now and the time and the movement and the motion. We 
can control so much through these lower chakras. We choose which house we want to live in sometimes, what kind of um, job we want to do, what we study, you know, and yet sometimes something just doesn't happen like we want it to or it doesn't have a logical pathway or endpoint is usually the you know, focal shift that's required to get into this chakra. It can be incredibly juicy and beautiful and divine and amazing and it can be incredibly confronting and difficult and dark and hard, right? Well, people ask me, does it always have to be something so devastating or, Mm. you know, to lose control? And I'd like to say that equally, you know, you can really truly meet something or someone and be in that divine sense of union and that also elevates your heart chakra. So the power of love is brilliant. It transcends it's time definitely and space. a song, isn't it? <laughs> One or two songs. Do you feel like you're going to break it? out into some kind of an 80s dance Look, move? We will do the karaoke <laughs> episode at some point. This is not it. My first real entry into trying to work out what was going on with every other part of my life, my energy awareness, and people will often say this as well, it was, you know, hitting some level of rock bottom, betrayal, loss, feeling out of control with the physical world. And of course, that encouraged me to reach for help and support and teaching and guidance. And that is the case for so many people, isn't it? I mean, that concept of rock bottom being the foundation that you build the rest of your life, I guess, is really where this whole experience kind of comes in. But the energy of the heart chakra can be reached truly by going through some release of what you had in the physical world it takes you into a deeper place of oneness of yourself it's really about communing back with the self rather than communing with the external world or with other people what will often happen is that we're we're you know this is where it gets all buddhist but we're often attached to things in the physical world right and so then what will happen is it will something will come along and it will rock that attachment And then we feel out of control and then we need to turn inwards to understand the pain. When we turn inwards to understand the pain, we feel as though all is lost. But at that moment, what is wonderful, and this just is why I do my work and it blows my mind, is that when we go in and we think everything's gone, it's all lost, there's nothing left, I'm in such deep pain from losing my control and attachment, we find a well of universal love a well of universal force and spirit and power which is divine love which is the true form of love unconditional limitless love and that's when you really know you're on the journey of bingo and healing because that is the feeling that you've been waiting for when you are unconscious you don't have that when you're conscious you become aware all is love I am love I am separate from nothing you know, it's all good. It wasn't the thing that I lost. It, it it doesn't have any power. It's so juicy and delicious and divine. And they're all the stories that encourage us to keep going, right? Like we read them mm. and we go, oh, my God, that's so exciting that this miracle happened just as everything felt broken or destroyed. But they're really the stories, but they're true. They're actually real. And if you keep going, right, that's where it gets to be amazing. 
And I think we're a little bit, this is like where the material world and the energetic world kind of can meet each other and when we pass from one to the other. I think when we're ter- talking about love, and I'm so glad we're getting into like love in the heart center, right? But when we talk about love, especially when we talk about it in English, we we kind of at a bit of a disadvantage. We don't have that many words to describe the experiences that that we have in love. And we ha- use the same word love to describe um, that emotional bond and connection and deep feeling between lovers, but also mm. between a parent and a child and also between the divine and ourselves. And Sanskrit, Sanskrit is much better at this. In Sanskrit, they've got all these different words to like describe the different kind of loves. So there is a little Mm. bit like when we say love, it conjures up one particular kind of experience of material love. But when you go into it energetically and through the heart, you connect to that universal love, that endless, boundless source of love. It's, It's a completely different experience. It almost needs needs another name, right? Because it's so bottomless and welcoming and it's the kind of love you can never be rejected from and it'll never break your heart. It'll never turn you away. And it doesn't matter how much of it you take, the well stays full. And I think in the material world, we're not really used to that experience of love. Yeah, I guess that version of love is the pure energy of power. And and mm. by some people's spiritual concept, that is the essence of God. I mean, that energy is so powerful. We have now become to understand that it synchronizes people. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you'll get a synchronizing effect. It can overcome massive hardship. I mean, those stories of people finding energy from deep within themselves to keep going, it can inspire others. You know, there's been leaders that have used energies of love and intentions of love and it's changed the world it can equally overwhelm us we well, yeah know, it can be really been... confronting right <laughs> yeah if you're not used to it or you don't know how to receive it or hold it or if you're like I don't deserve this yeah mm. and it can unite us and um, across you know all other physical limitations and boundaries it can heal people have amazing stories of using love to heal themselves heal each other heal the earth um, and you know there are certain we we might start to explore and do a bit more of a deep dive th- uh, around this later on but you know there are certain aspects that love creates in our field that allows us to go on and do these things. So we are, you know, we feel love and then we have to be love or we have to do something in that love and then that's what has the effect to change us. But it is an interesting concept, Kiralee, because as you describe, the word itself doesn't sometimes explain the vastness of this capacity really. So, I am grateful to have been loved and to be loved now and to be able to love because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold. That's ego. Love liberates. Love and joy, grief and love, they all live in that big pool together. It's like you need a bit of chaos in your life and soul to birth a star. I think the powerful thing about this chakra is that once you start getting into it, you realise also where you're restricting. Mm. I think it was Alenia Van Zandt that said, you know, nothing's going to bring out where you're restricting love, like real 
love, yeah, unconditional the opportunity love, it to absolutely like shows love. you. Yeah. And part of it is that it shows you where everything is that you are holding on to that isn't love, mm. isn't love for yourself, doesn't feel worthy of love. So the minute that big lighthouse of love comes towards you, it's funny how many times, and you've said this before, someone will say, there must be something wrong with that person or this is too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. And we start dismantling it. We so, don't feel trusted being in the divine love. Like uh, it can be a very foreign feeling to us. We don't know how to process it. We have no patterning in us that tells us how to hold it. Lifelong journey to sit in the unbearable lightness of our own being mm. and to discover where we are restricting and destroying this flow that is limitless and constantly available to us. Yeah. And I think we're also quite often kind of, you know, we're raised in this capitalist society, right? And where they're the whole, you know, one of the ways that you can run an economy is restriction. So there's not like mm. enough. And so you've got to always feel like you've got to get more and like you've, you know, mm. you've got to kind of take your share of the pie or whatever. And it can be quite bombastic. And then I was also kind mm. of raised a Catholic, not kind of, definitely raised a Catholic, did 13 years of schooling, not with brownie <laughs> points. But in that kind of, when you know, what I was taught about God and divine love there is that you can lose it that actually if you mess up you mm. and you've sinned then kind of you're out you can climb your way back if you do enough confessing and enough repenting but actually the the connection to divine source can turn bad you can be punished god is not this all-loving being right even though jesus was mad you know bang up for a bit of love it's kind of this idea that we're even born in sin so even from the beginning god is a bit pissed at us yeah um and then as i yeah. you know, so i kind of that was the framework that i had for how i was allowed to receive love and so as I've learned especially in my, you know in my spiritual journey and as I've learned to connect to angels and I've learned to connect to source and I've learned to connect to divine love one of my biggest lessons has been every time I think I do something kind of wrong like I don't stick mm. to my spiritual practice or I got really drunk last night or like whatever mm. it is every time I come back on my hands and knees and I'm like I'm so sorry the answer I get from the other side is what are you talking about <laughs> like this is your birthright like <laughs> you, you can't not receive this you can't not deserve this this is always here for you yeah. and it's taken me a really long time and I still don't know if I even truly believe that actually that's possible for me I'm still yeah. learning it on a regular basis I love that because it, what you're saying is it's the concept that you developed that love was outside of yourself and that you, yes. it could be conditional and yes. defined by something else whereas yes. and I think this is why so many people join the journeys of the we woo verse and the the tribes of the we woo verse because in some ways what we're saying is we take that back actually we believe that that runs through all living things love is a pure energy of power it runs through me it runs through you it runs through plants it runs through through animals it runs through everything and no one can destroy that and I I don't know about you, but I'm sure that for me it is the ultimate reason that I felt that healing was possible within myself. So those moments where you describe where you're on the ground and you think, oh, my God, I've fucked it up and it's never going to be repairable and I, how could I do this or how could I have lost this or I knew what was right and I didn't follow my own intuition – I actually think that I came to a point where I understood this love and that that love was, you know, unconditional in its truest form and therefore I could change tomorrow and step on a better path tomorrow because I wanted to choose that power and therefore 
I was capable of changing the world or changing the world around myself. It, it's almost the thing that gave me permission to keep going when I hit the most darkest point in my life. And I think that's true for so many people who've come through recovery and through yeah. reclaiming their life on a spiritual journey. And it's interesting, you know, we're all born fluent in love. I remember Carol and me saying something like that. Um, but And she said that, but we spend most of our life learning about it. <laughs> we're born in it, into it and it's our natural language, but we have to spend our whole life understanding it fully. And we are motivated by love, but we're controlled by it. We're inspired by it. We're healed by it. But we're also destroyed by it. And um, scared of it. Yeah. We're so yep. scared of it. But it's this fuel, isn't it? And she describes it as a fuel of our physical and spiritual body. And I and I think that's something that once you grasp or we all grasp, it makes life so much more understandable. Look, I've been reading a lot of Harry Potter lately as well. Have you? And um, <laughs> Back on it. Yeah, I have. <laughs> back on it I kind of tend to go through and, and read them all every few years and and you know that's one of the things I really enjoy about that book that one of the great themes is love the power of love oh, and that yeah. actually that's what allows Harry to save the world and what Dumbledore's always banging on about and Voldemort is always dismissing he doesn't see the power of love he thinks he dismisses it but in the end that is what allows Harry to do what Harry needs to do, right? Even though there's really hard, difficult things he has to do because it comes from a place of love, it's possible. Yeah, and so therefore it's kind of like each life challenge is sort of teaching us about some aspect to choose the love, the love and the energy of that light and power within ourselves. And they say, like, what is it? To err is human, to forgive is divine. There mm. is, you know, as we step into this heart chakra, it does connect us to the divine. That is where we can access compassion and grace and forgiveness and all these powerful like superpowers beautiful I think superpowers. they're superpowers that's beautiful way yeah. to put it and you know it's really if you go into your heart and you calm yourself you'll probably find this when you're reading as well that's the place I know that I'm seeing from truthfully and, and I, it's not just in sessions now I really try and do that in my life as well of course I physically feel it when I'm reading mm. as well there's a tingling you know in my it. heart area mm. heart center mm. area where I can feel everything being received mm. and and it took me a long time to realize that was what was going on I didn't connect it there was the tingling and there was the receiving but I never kind of that's why it's I, such a great them job together. yeah but yeah. there's so many professions that I come in contact with that. I go, wow, you guys are using your heart. Mm. So, you know, I've had ambulance people have to come to my house because one of my children had croup and these two beautiful people walk into the house, tend to my child, fully in the zone, fully in their space. I'm like, wow, look at their energy. Look yeah. at their heart. They are fully engaged in the deepest of honour for yeah. this human being and the energy that comes in is phenomenal. It's learning to honour the connectedness mm. of all things, isn't it? It is a learning. The learning to love is a learning. It's an, it's a natural frequency and a flow, but it's absolutely a learning. Did you have to learn to love? Totally. I feel like as well as humans, we are maybe a little bit better at one-to-one -one than we are. Then when you scale up, it gets really complicated. Scaling. Yeah. Like one-to-one, -one, I can see mm. you. Um, you're very different to me, but I know mm. you and I, so I have an understanding for you despite our differences and I love mm. you. But then we kind of scale up and like on the 
um, the scale of societies were a bit more tended to go, no, those people are completely different to mm. us and we can't ever accept them and w- this is who we are and that's who they are. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like scale really plays a role here. It, it, well, it's interesting, isn't it, because the mantra of the heart chakra is all is one. Mm. So as soon as you think in division, you know, higher and lower forces, you, me, separateness, it really turns into fear. It doesn't turn into love anymore. One of my um, yoga teachers, the amazing Jasmine Takeshi, tells this story about how she had an altar in her house Mm. and she would put divine beings on the Mm. altar. But of course, we're all one and everyone is a divine being. So for his entire eight-year presidency, she had a photo of George W. Bush on her altar. And Friends would come over and lose their minds and they'd feel really confronted. They're like, what is it even doing there? But she was like, no, this is my practice. We're either we're all one or we're not. And it applies to amazing, right? So I've always held on to this. And then I went through a period where I had a photo of um who's the Russian president? Putin. So I put Putin on my altar. I was like, right, this is my practice. And I kind of got there. But the idea of putting Donald Trump on my altar, that's where I break down. That's where I'm like, we're not all one and we're not all Oh, we've got a further. Is he here to bring us into our heart chakra? You know. Uh, Super producer Dan (laughs) just said I could pop an orange Cheeto on my altar. And that is a good point. I think that, you know, okay, you're making this really interesting point that when we feel gooey love stuff like for a puppy or a beautiful child or our best friend or our partner and someone's showing us love and doing what we want it's easy Mm. (laughs) but man the learning of love is learning to love something that is not us or not as we would like or want. And you can see now how we go from that third chakra which is I, I am, this is what I like and having power to saying, Whoa, okay, how can we share that power and make room and compromise? And unconditional love. This is the movement from the value. You do what I want, love. therefore yeah. I like it, therefore I love you. Brilliant. Oh, you didn't do what I wanted. Okay, now we're breaking up kind <laughs> of love. Yeah, to unconditional love. And then it gets really murky because we still need boundaries mm. around, well, this serves some of my understandings and principles so we can be in this engagement. Is it all about the other person? Is that love? That was her job. You know, she was there for the unconditional love. So I think it was Rumi who said, love is the way messengers from the mystery tell us things and they guide us. And some people call it like a charm when there's love in the air or Mm. love is lighting a path. You should follow that charm because it's a safe experience. But remember, things have masked themselves or we've got confused about what real love looks and feels and smells like. So we have to go back and really sit in a pure divine concept of love for that to be reintegrated into our patterning. Even within the concept of the divine concept of love, like especially in the yoga world, there's, you know, you can get, some people get stuck in the heart chakra, right? Because it's so juicy in there Mm. and you become a bhakti and you just sing to God all day and then you just get stuck there. You don't integrate, you don't use it as the bridge, you don't keep moving, you don't even really surrender or let go, you just sit in the love. And that can happen when you meet somebody too, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, the power of it is... It, well, it's transcendental. It, it, by nature, it's absolutely transcendental. So love is what make the, makes the world go round. It keeps us evolving. It, it's the reason we have relationships is we'd stay stagnant. We wouldn't get a mirror of ourselves or an understanding of ourselves unless we're in a relationship. Pain can either take us away from love 
or it can step us mm. towards love. And I remember my teacher saying to me, in your darkest moment, you'll want to shrink back and hide and not connect oh, with yes. others and not mm-hmm. reach out and ask for help. And he was always talking to me about, come, come this Sunday, sit with me, be with us, even though you feel like you want to shut off. Because he was sort of saying, you know, that all of the way you approach your life and the challenges, it's recorded within your cells. And if you want to change, then do something different. Step out, connect, be in lovingness, act in lovingness, you know, share lovingness, and then everything starts to turn around. And it sounds so out there, but it actually, yeah, but it actually (laughs) is totally real. Like, it's the proof is in the pudding of that. You know, I made a decision, I remember, in the most restrictive phase of connecting with others that I was going to do the exact opposite. And I said, I'm going to do it for three weeks. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it was like going, you know, pushing past every piece of resistance. And I just kept someone would say, do you want to come dancing? Yes. Do you want to play? Do you want to go and play, you know, music? Yes. Do you want to come and see me? Yes. And I was dragging myself out. But because it was with people who truly were trying to reach in and saw that I was in pain and loved me, every time I would go and do something, I have to say I would come home and go, wow, that just healed me. It just changed something. That connection is what it's about. It's so, mm. it's such a beautiful story. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we get from kind of the external into the spiritual and and what we can do to really heal ourselves in this chakra. So I guess it's about coming into an awareness of how you're feeling in your life, not just what you're doing, not just what you're thinking, but looking at where the coherence is or where you're out of coherence. So just it can start simply by acknowledging, as we were talking about, emotional states of being. So I like to track how I'm feeling or how I'm feeling in different places and with different people over about two or three week period, because I think it's a really nice way to get a a sort of a vision of what's going on in your life. So it's sometimes true that you can feel overall unhappy, but realize most of my unhappiness is coming from where I'm working or what I'm feeling when I'm at work. Actually, when I'm out walking my dog in the afternoon, I feel fine. It's actually when I'm at work that my heart is not in coherence. And so once we work that out, we can kind of see where we need to make the changes but the most powerful sorry I I just want to say I really love this because it's so simple and it's Mm. accessible and it's so incredibly powerful and it's it's tapping into the subconscious this is already happening within you you just haven't gone into it yet and noticed where the unhappiness is coming or where the blocks are or every time I leave that person I feel drained shit it never occurred to me before but but maybe I shouldn't be spending that much time with that person it's it's yeah, it's just so remarkably simple. And I do it with a lot of clients in my yoga classes. At the beginning of every yeah. yoga class, I usually get people to kind of just name their top three trending emotions. And it's remarkable how many people come up to me at the end of class and either are like, I don't know how to do this. I can't name an emotion. Mm. And I'm like, it's cool. It's just practice. Keep going. You'll get there. Or people who are like, oh my God, it's overwhelming. And I didn't even realize it was overwhelming. It's just been tucked in the back of my brain. It didn't even occur to me that I was feeling this way. Yeah. And it's calming the mind 
that mm. helps us get into a sense of feeling. I think it was Rumi that said, you know, feel yourself being quietly drawn by the deep inner pull of what you truly love. So yes. it is an inner inner feeling. You have to get inside. And honestly, our whole world is wired to keep going, don't feel, don't feel, come over here, bye, mm. bye, bye. What about this? What yes. about this? So to pull yourself back in is a conscious choice. But once the mind is calmed and quietened the feelings become very clear and yeah I think if you can track it the beautiful thing is you start to become much more fluent quickly in saying actually I was saying that I was having a really good time but the whole time I was there I was anxious so was I really Mm. having a good time or was I in a state of anxiety and then the big question is what was causing me to feel anxious so you know becoming really fluent in feelings is of course our first thing to do but then the power of being able to change it comes from excavating a little bit deeper and looking at well am I in a state of restriction do I need to open to exchanging connection and love more. What's blocking me from doing that? I read a great quote the other day and it said it's not our job to chase love or to find love. It's actually to seek within us every single thing that is blocking love from coming into our life. And when you think about that, isn't that amazing? Because it's actually the truth. We we spend all our whole life, if you listen to every pop song on the planet, it's basically about finding or losing love and the devastation around it. But I think we need more pop songs about, you know, what is happening inside of us that might have completely bypassed the opportunity to have love and connection with somebody. And it's all about this idea of not looking externally for love, not that that's a bad thing, it feels good Mm. to be loved, like rock Mm. on, but about the possibility that we can actually, yeah, as you were saying, remove the blockages within ourselves and give it to ourselves. We don't have to give it to other people in the hope that they'll give some of it back to us. We can, mm. And we can talk about love addiction later, which is where a lot of people do that. But we can, mm. we can actually remove the blockages inside of us and get that flow coming so that then we sit in love, we are love, we can receive love, and then it's so much easier to connect with other people who want to give us love because we're not, we're not blocking anymore. Okay, so let's talk about love and the toxicity of love and can love be unhealthy? I don't know why I'm primarily thinking of this episode in terms of song (laughs) lyrics, but we've reached the Britney Spears (laughs) Because there's a song in your heart. I'm sure of it. We've reached the Britney Spears, don't you know that it's toxic (laughs) part? Because love can can go bad. It can be toxic. It can be addictive. We can get in mm. these patterns where it's not healthy and it's not graceful and it's yeah. not mysterious. It's We've very been there, right? <laughs> for like years at a time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think there's so many beautiful types of love as you described before. There's unconditional love and then there's conditional love and then there's even controlling yeah, love. Yeah, love is power. Yeah, when we haven't had an experience of positive bonding and ongoing bonding that makes us feel valuable and loved and balanced as though we could leave our parent and come back or caregiver and come back or we know that there's a certainty what we start to do is to seek that bond and there is a neurochemical rush 
when we fall in love. It's almost the equivalent dopamine levels of cocaine. So what happens is that I think that we get to a point where we can't distinguish what is neurochemical and what's flooding our being and then what would be considered divine love. And if you've never had an unconditional source of love in physical form, which is, you know, obviously very difficult for people who've been wounded themselves to then parent like that, then it's possible that most of us have ended up in toxic versions of And I of absolutely am a healed love addict. I was, I Me too. Did, I was a love addict for years. It's so amazing to come out the other side of it, but now I'm one of those people that sees it everywhere I go. Um, and that, in every song, 90% yes, of songs. You listen to some lyrics love. and go, whoa, that's very obsessional. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels good. Because, it's, because love, as we talked about before, is about the bonding hormone oxytocin and it is a about that chemical feeling in our bodies of being connected to and attached to and then that creates a high which is why when we feel that and then somebody breaks up with us or steps away from us and that high has occurred it can feel as bad as physical drug withdrawal I've definitely experienced that and hands down I remember saying I wouldn't wish it on anyone's worst enemy especially when you're an energy person or an empath I think it is very easy to fall into the category of being available for a love addiction experience and I had no idea about it did you have any idea about it when you were younger I had no idea that that was a thing no, no, I, I, I did not know love addiction was a thing. I didn't even know I was a love addict, even though I totally was, um, mm. until a couple of years ago, actually. And then, and then I just realized my, the kind of the shape my love addiction took was I just kept that thing. I just kept putting it out. Like I kept trying to find these people to love me and I'd give them, I like, didn't have, I also had terribly terrible boundaries, not existent boundaries, we could say. Um, so I'd like not have any boundaries and I'd give all of myself to these people who I didn't know that well and who weren't mm. deserving of it. And like, just be like, love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. And of course that's not, it's not hot. It's not romantic. Mm. It's not fun. They weren't loving me back because I didn't believe I could give it to myself. And so that's what I was numbing. Like I was using love and the desire and trying to find love in order to numb my own low self-esteem and like, and be externally validated rather than internally validating myself. And I just, I think now of all these people who kind of broke my heart and who I was like really upset at. And now that I've come out the other side, I'm, I'm recovered. I kind of just want to call them all and be like, Soz. <laughs> <laughs> the most powerful love potion in the world. It's rumoured to smell differently to each person according to what attracts them. You know, the love addiction withdrawal, having held so myself and then so many people through love addiction withdrawal, you have to be able to really understand that what that person is doing to you is exactly the same as a drug and you yeah. can't call them. You have to go through withdrawal yeah. and find support through positive experiences And ultimately and I was doing it to myself. I was like yeah. these poor people that I kept drawing in to play out my dramas. It wasn't them at all, even the, if they were super pretty or super talented. And it turned and they me never on, fulfill me. the pattern. You know, they never ring when they say they're going to. Yeah, they yeah. can't ever see you enough. They're never going to keep to your pattern because yeah. they're not meant to fulfill this toxic and they imbalance. Save me from myself. Only I could save me from myself. Yeah. And it took me a while to get there. But the good news is, isn't here it? I am. <laughs> yeah, that it is. Please out come the and other date side. Me. I'm really good at it. <laughs> out the other side of love addiction is joy. Yeah. And anyone who's listening who is still craving that relationship and thinks that 
is what they need and how that's the balance of the heart chakra. The longing of that heart chakra um, and is really the longing for yourself and the divine connection. Yeah, yeah. But the joy that will come from breaking that love addictive pattern oh my goodness, is unbelievable. And my prayer, like I pray every morning and in the prayer now I say I am whole, I am complete. Now Amor Tentia doesn't create actual love, that would be impossible, but it does cause a powerful infatuation or obsession. And for that reason, it is probably the most dangerous potion in this room. I think that for me too, I was I just had no idea that there was a high associated with love. I had no idea that what I was feeling was not necessarily love. It was attachment. It was need. I wanted to feel safe. I wanted to feel secured. I wanted to see, see be seen and validated. I had no idea that that wasn't love. And it's only well, now, yeah, I mean, you think about you know, what we're shown. years on, 20 years on, that I can say, well, I can understand that if I love my partner, it means that I can't control him or I mm. have to allow him his time for growth or he may not necessarily always want to spend time with me or that there's no guarantee that just because we love and care for each other today means that in five years' time he's going to love and care for me and that that would be okay if he chose something else. Like it has taken me years to understand that that is love and I heard this beautiful rabbi talk about it and he talks about the fact that if you you know if you love something then you don't take everything from it and he describes it as though you know he's talking to this young man and he said well you know do you love fish and the young man says yes I love the fish and he says well why do you eat the fish and the rabbi says because if you eat the fish the fish doesn't exist anymore you know if you if you truly loved the fish you would let it go and I remember sitting there thinking oh my god that's profound but my whole version of love was what can I get what do I need you know it was to take actually it wasn't to be in the love of something and to allow the love of something. It was to consume the love of something. And I equally would like to (laughs) ring all the people that I feel had broken my heart and say, yeah, sorry, that was probably me being angry at you for you not giving me what I wanted. What's that great thing Brene Brown says about stop working your shit out on other people? (laughs) Do the work inside yourself and stop working it out on other people. Yeah, we've all been there. Sorry sorry to anyone who's listening who I worked some of my romantic shit out on. I apologise. Well, let's not be hard on ourselves, hey, because truthfully, do you know, and I think it was Ilana Benzant, she um, talks about the fact that relationships are the things by which our heart has to learn through. So she says that learning to date, learning to connect, friendship, equally as romantic relationships are incredibly important for our spiritual development and encourages people to open to them. She wrote that wonderful book called Living Through the Meantime and that book is about what to do when you're in between relationships and it's around exactly what we're talking about today which is how do you heal your heart enough to move on to have an experience that isn't the same as the one that you had before or that you were broken from, that there is a capacity to choose something higher and of a different calibre 
when it comes to our heart you chakra. You said something really nice to me about this actually when um I'd come out the other side of my love addiction and was like shaking my head at myself a little bit I was like oh my god like I just want to write to everyone and say I'm sorry um and also I feel kind of ashamed and and you said this really lovely thing about you wouldn't look back at three-year-old you and go gosh you're a dummy you can't even drive a car god like how stupid are you three-year-old me Ugh, get it together mm. and you're like so don't look back at 25 year old you and go oh you didn't he hadn't even sorted out your love addiction yet you were still <laughs> figuring it out you know and you kind of said that every part of our lives is there it's there to teach us it's there to learn and when you're three you're learning to walk and talk and and eat and whatever and so it's not that you need to learn how to drive a car you do that in your teens and then you do your love yes. you know there's always yes. this progression and there is a time for everything and you can't beat yourself up about the fact that you had to go through that to get the wisdom and get out the other side. No, and your vibe attracts your tribe, right? So if you're coming at love from that need, then I would say that that person equally needed you in that moment. So there's a perfect exchange. I I think it's very rare that you would meet somebody unless they were a mentor, a teacher, and probably a non-romantic partner that is you know, divinely there in a, a level of love above you. It, it, it's it's all in the beautiful pot, <laughs> I imagine, of our soul journey and that it was all perfect at the time and that you were having the conversations about, well, you don't text me as much as I thought you were going to. You know, that's happening because that's where you're both at at the time. And then, you know, I think life has a way of deepening our chakras and our heart chakras and and then you meet people that also are exchanging and talking on a concept of love that is very different. I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience as well, but definitely as I started this journey and then started getting awakenings around love and feeling love for others and love for the world and then love for myself, that there were times that I would sit with friends and think, wow, we are not speaking the same language anymore. You're upset with me because I didn't do A, B and C and I'm sorry I didn't even think about it because it's not in my language of love anymore to show you through my action or throw show you from a birthday card or whatever. And I remember feeling that being so complicated and my brain had to sit down and go, okay, not everyone is – coming at this world the same and somehow I have to make room for all of it and we all have different languages and displays of love and we're going to have to somehow make room for everyone and have those hard conversations and come to compromises. I feel like this is like the perfect opportunity for us to talk about some of my favourite things, but some of the hardest things we do, um, gratitude, compassion, grace, forgiveness, all of those superpowers that are possible to to nurture and strengthen through work in the heart center through mm. this chakra but what it, i mean they what's the saying from the bible like to err is human to forgive is divine it's it's true all of this stuff i don't know i wasn't really taught about gratitude or compassion um I, when i was a kid i was kind of taught that i had to forgive but not really how to go about the hard work of doing it this is all um Oh, this is all really where we get juicy and powerful in the heart, isn't it? Mm. So, you know, if you think about the heart as being um, bumped and bruised and scarred and where we hold a lot of memories around 
what has happened in the energetic exchanges with others and in experiences. Luckily and beautifully, it seems that there are some of the most beautiful elixirs for healing also in the heart chakra. So energies of gratitude. And now there's a whole study um, happening around gratitude. You know, this whole positive psychology movement now actually wants to quantify, you know, what are the health effects of gratitude and what are the experiences of bringing gratitude into workplaces and cultures and and experiences of um, hardship or really bad um, exchanges that have happened between two people. What happens when we're thankful for the experience and what's the repercussion of that? Th- those studies are actually live and happening and there's some amazing results coming out about that. Yeah, gratitude is one of my favourite topics to talk about because it is, again, we live in this capitalist society where you're never allowed to have enough. It's always you've got to want other things and you've got to want more and you're like, you know, that's what we're really taught to do. Mm. We're rarely taught to go, oh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful mm. for this and I don't need anything more. I can just sit in, in the gratitude that I have um, and and that's enough. And I also think, at least in my own experience, that gratitude absolutely is a muscle mm. and you work it and it gets stronger. There's kind of like different levels, right? So the beginner level of gratitude is, oh, I'm, I'm grateful for my body and I'm grateful for the person who loves me and I'm grateful for the roof over my head. It's like you're grateful for the things that are that, and I'm doing air quotes here for everyone, that are good or that are easy. And then the Olympic level gratitude that you work your way up to is I am grateful for that person who's who pushes all my buttons and I'd kind of say mm. I hate. Mm. I'm grateful for the that the sickness and the illness and the ill health and the difficulties and and it, it's hard to get there. But if you can get to the point where you're like, and I always say um, the whole enchilada, I'm grateful for the whole enchilada, <laughs> all of it, right? Yeah, and it's sometimes I see the gratitude stuff and it gets it hits my brain a little bit like it's um, not an authentic experience. But when I think about it in terms of energetics, so if we focus our energy into the middle of the heart shark and we think of something that makes us feel full or loved or as though we're connected, although things are possible um, or a happy memory where I was safe and full – that actually opens the heart chakra like a flower. And when it opens like that flower, it also then pulls energy in and out. So the practice of gratitude isn't just like to be a good girl or a good boy. It's about getting into that resonance that's quite difficult to get into unless you can breathe deeply into that heart chakra center and get it to a point where it's emanating outside of you and then drawing that energy in. And that for me is when I think of that, I go, yes, it's, that is the resonance I want to be in and I need to go there to get there. It's such a beautiful image, that image of the flower opening with the sun and mm. then it, flowers can close down as mm. well at night, right? Mm. But again, the, one of the things that we, we love sharing about how you can transform your energy system, you can open your heart up. You can open that flower in the centre of your chest up. You've just got to do the work. And if you've got an open heart chakra, you can find yourself, and we've talked about this before, You'll be somewhere and does this happen to you? I'll be somewhere and someone will be lost or in trouble and they will grab for me while I'm walking down the street with my handbag everywhere and go, excuse me. And it's like people can feel heart chakras that are open Mm. and they know, can you show me how to or I I need and I think, 
oh, you need a heart chakra. I travel a lot. mm. And the amount of times I'm in a foreign city and somebody says to me, where's the data? And I'm like, I don't live here. Like, thank you for being the fifth person today who asked me for directions. I I can't help you. Glad you felt my heart chakra. That happened to me in the middle of Tokyo. And I would love to say that I live and am from Tokyo, but I am clearly not from Tokyo. And people still ask me for directions in countries that I don't know. It is nice when it's when you, the heart vibration seeks vibration and like mm. sees like. And people people see feel heart. heart chakras. And I think if you are feeling disconnected and lonely or as though that manifestation pump or you need that miracle and it's not happening, return to the heart chakra. It's, you know, listening to music that rises into your being through your heart chakra, watching a beautiful movie that reminds you of all that's good and true and Seeing gorgeous wise, art. Yes. beautiful art. Yep, Beautiful meditating nature. with baby goats. Let's go back there. More meditation with baby goats. <laughs> Who can be angry when you see a baby goat? The things I love about the heart chakra are that it synchronizes energy. So they've done all these studies now that if I focus my energy, go into my heart chakra, breathe, think of something that I'm grateful for or something that has a positive memory for me, and then I send that energy out, I can take my field from about one meter to three meter. Yeah, gratitude and is amazing. Yeah, and it's this heart resonance mm. that then also transforms you at terminal two and transforms if you you pick it up and then that happens, it transforms the rest of the office. And before you know it, there's a knock-on effect. So this is why, you know, mindfulness and gratitude and resonance have started to enter workplaces to make people more productive and more happy. But it can equally inspire people. It You know, the stories of people transcending massive hardship and getting over things because of they stayed in their heart, mm. you know, amazing stories about that. It can reunite people and heal people through time and space. And um, also forgiveness, you know, the power to heal a wound where people thought it was never healable is all that elixir that Mm. comes from that chakra. When you look at somebody's heart chakra psychically who is in gratitude, the heart chakra is pulsing. The energy of green is running through their system and that starts that whole champagne fountain effect that we were talking about. So the studies I love the most are the ones done on um, what effect does gratitude have when people are recovering from major illness or major life devastation, the effects of gratitude on communities that are rebuilding themselves. And they are marvellous. Like um, studies done that say that, you know, healing happens so much deeply in the body and the cellular level when somebody is grateful every day. That's how gratitude journals started. And yeah, and from an energetic perspective, not only does the front of the heart chakra open, but beautifully over time, and this is why I'd say do it for a three-week period, the back heart chakra starts to open and guess what happens? It starts drawing in energy like a pump and it starts bringing it into the body. Extra energy actually starts coming into the body and it also starts bringing energy in that is of a positive value. So if you're trying to attract something, the wonderful effect of it is that you're going to attract it quicker because the back heart chakra is open and the magnets are all coming towards you so by sending out energy that you 
are feeling vibed about, it brings energy in of that same equal quantity and quality. And it's a really good place to start as well. If you're heartbroken, if you're mm. distressed, if you're sad, if, you're, if your heart is a little bruised, yeah, start with gratitude. Start with a small gratitude practice and just mm. let, let yourself see where it goes. Mm. Which requires compassion for yourself. And well, let, we, yeah, I know we're talking about these elixirs. Yeah. Compassion. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I mean, I always think of that quote from Willy Wonka, so shines a good deed in a weary world. Whenever I think of compassion, mm. that's my little quote that comes into my head. And I guess it's the ability to understand the emotional state of others. It's not empathy. Compassion has this added element to desire to end the suffering for others. It's the desire to want to understand someone's experience, even though we may not have had it ourselves. It's a gentleness. And I think that what it was, there's a great quote that I always think about that's like, everyone is carrying a heavy load. Mm. Be kind. And I think it is like, it's like we go into the heart center and we go into ourselves and we connect to the divine. And it's, it looks like it might be this internal process that only that then just makes you self-centered. And what I've learned through my yoga practice and through yoga teaching is it's one of the great cosmic jokes is it looks, you know, they only make the yoga mat for one, right? They don't actually make a mm. yoga mat big enough for the whole world to step onto mm. it with you. But by going to a yoga class by yourself, by stepping on that mat for one, by going into yourself, you connect inward, but then it really, that's how you then connect outward. And you can learn to like see that we are all heavy, carrying a heavy load. We are all connected. That you could get kind of really angry and, and pissed off and annoyed and be like, well, they don't understand. Or you could like take the compassionate reading, which is they are in pain. They are distressed. And you can separate, you know, two things can be true at the same time. That person is not allowed to treat mm. me like that. I put down a boundary, mm. but also... That person is in pain and that is mm. why they are acting like that. Like it doesn't mean you have to become a, a schmo who lets people walk over you. Compassion really is one of the superpowers that we access through our spiritual practice. And and compassion is co, meaning together, and passion, having a strong feeling for. So it is about looking at that energy of togetherness and how it all links and we can have a very strong sense of love or understanding for the whole. And it teaches us about ourselves. The more we look at everyone else and have compassion, which is to have that strong feeling for, it's funny how you go, oh my goodness, I just started to have more compassion and love for myself. Equally, the more we love and have compassion for ourselves, we are kinder, I think, on other people. It's a, it's such an interesting yeah, one. You know, I, I think that I always say to people who are saying, I'm really struggling with compassion, which I can really understand, especially in difficult situations. I always say, look for the innocence. Imagine everybody as children. Imagine the softest part of somebody walking around in a situation as a child needing something. It it becomes so much easier to be compassionate. There's that beautiful sculpture of the two adults facing outward and they're in wire and the children inside are reaching together through the wire to be looking after each other and holding each other. And we'll put it, maybe we can put that up on the show notes as the image because it is such a strong image of what I think finding our deeper compassion in difficult situations looks like because it's not let's not 
pretend it's easy. It's bloody hard when you're not feeling <laughs> open-hearted about something. You know, it's easy when you're feeling open-hearted, isn't it? It's not easy when you're pissed off. One of my favourite teachings on compassion it comes through the, the yoga kind of system and it was this idea that any anything that's being presented to you in your life in terms of how people are treating you, that's you're even you're only really noticing that because somewhere you're treating somebody else like that. So it's on your radar, right? So if somebody oh. if you walk in somewhere like you walk into um a restaurant and the the wait staff are, are super rude to you rather than being like oh the wait staff suck oh my god like it's so unfair mm. you kind of then reflect in yourself and go all right who am I currently being rude to and how can I and you know obviously there's like uh, this is a very personal decision to choose to see the world like this it, it does not excuse things like the systemic prejudice and racism and structural inequality but it is a framework mm. through which you can see the world and kind of go okay anything that's being given to me I'm giving it somewhere so that gives me the possibility of healing it within myself. You know, I'm a traveler, right? I travel all around the world and I have never met drivers as angry as the drivers in Sydney, Australia. And I had this kind of really remarkable situation mm. where I had this friend and she's such, that's the thing, all of these angry drivers, when they're my friends, they're darling people. And then they get in the car and they just <laughs> turn on everyone. And she's new. She's from out of town, right? So she's not from Sydney. She'd just moved there. So she'd get in the car and be driving around and then put on the indicator to turn left and then realize, oh, that's not actually the, the street I want. It's the next street. And if somebody behind her honked, she'd be like, what, what? I'm new here. Like I'm trying my best. But then as soon as somebody mm. did it to her, she'd be like, you bloody idiot. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. And I'm just mm. sitting in the back going like, this is your opportunity to practice compassion. You asked for compassion. This is your opportunity to, to offer compassion as well. Yeah. Drivers of Sydney. Every day you will be presented with opportunities to be compassionate. Please embrace them. Yes, so so funny you mentioned that because before I left Sydney and I was in Sydney for 15 years, I noticed a developing sense of rage on the road as a person who used to walk a lot around the city. And when I first got there, it was like, you know, green light to walk, you'd go and the cars would wait. By the time I left Sydney and I was having to walk with a lot with my kids, I noticed that it was like the light would go to go green and the car would literally want to turn before the walkers got to walk. And I was thinking, what is this? This has completely, we've changed the road rules now <laughs> where pedestrians don't get to go first and not just to call out the drivers of Sydney, but there is a sense of entitlement and me first and what can I get? And I've got to get to where I need to go. And it's creating rage and compassion is about slowing down and looking at what's happening to other people and what our effects are on others and how we can create a sense of love and awareness and positivity and exchange between all of us that breeds good yeah. things. And it is, again, the absolute opposite to what our society is saying. And, and even I want to say the New Age movement because when we first get onto this path, we go through all the changes and the energies and the awareness and the chakras and often we'll get to the third chakra and we'll build boundaries and we'll work out what's happened to us and where we've dishonoured or been dishonoured and then we get to a place where we want to assert those boundaries and it's not until we get to the heart chakra that we realise that it's good to have boundaries, it's good to persevere with what you need and want, but we don't exist in a vacuum. And the heart chakra and compassion reminds us that while we're healing ourselves, we also need to be responsible 
for the rest of the world and the impact that has on others because it's a really important thing that we we don't just take care of ourselves. It's about what happens to other people during that journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think if we're ever going to tear the system down, and I would like to put my hand up as as being interested in tearing the system down and scrapping capitalism and starting again, that compassion is going to be the way to do it. It's it's not going to be disconnecting from each other and fighting against each other. We've been taught to do that. We already do that. It's going to be banding together, connecting with each other, coming together, treating each other right, and then from that place building something new. Yeah, which is not going to be comfortable. I was even reading something the other day about the dissolution of patriarchy and it describing, you know, that it's the sharing of energy and power. It's not about women wanting more power over men, but it's about we now need to divide this up fairly and it needs to be equal across all uh, all of us. And that is going to mean that there are some changes that need to be made around power structures and how people have been able to sort of abuse that, I guess. And that is going to be uncomfortable. So the compassion is going to be required for sure to heal all of that down the track and hopefully yeah, very, very soon. Fingers mm. crossed. Grace and forgiveness as well. So if we're talking to the other superpowers mm. that exist in the heart centre, we've got our gratitude, we've got our compassion, grace and forgiveness. I think the heart chakra, if you start with gratitude, as you end up in compassion, I think that, you know, like you described before, it's easy to go back and think, oh, my gosh, all those relationships, all those experiences and, and how do I set them free? Forgiveness is that elixir and I think that when we look at the way we can forgive we have to start with forgiving ourselves and this is what I guess you and I were talking about when I said to you you know you let's not go and necessarily make grand gestures to people who might be very happily moving on with their lives but let's look at where you can forgive yourself and then equally is there a way that you can set others free and for me forgiveness is how do you set yourself free how do you set others free and it does not need to be done in person and that was one of my greatest learnings and it was done because my abuser wasn't alive when I got to this point of my journey and I had to make resolution and that meant that I needed to say I release you I set you free from what you have done and I set myself free and they were not in the room and yet I can equally tell you that it was one of the most profound experiences and days of my journey and I think that forgiveness is, again, it's a learning. It's something that I wish we all just knew how to do but I think it is something that comes from spiritual awareness and awakening. I think sometimes forgiveness is seen as weakness as well, which it absolutely is not because it's seen as something we do for someone else, right? So that person already hurt you. They already took advantage of you, but then you do this other thing for them, which is forgive them. And it's actually a bit ass backwards mm. because forgiveness is what is something, it's a gift we give to ourselves and that's why it's strength and that's why it's power. And that's why we can do it if we never see the person again or if they're not on this planet anymore. Forgiveness is a gift that we give ourselves. And I one of kind of my favorite quotes around this is like holding a grudge is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die mm. Mm. and so this is why forgiveness even though it may be you know we may end up saying to the other person I forgive you we may never have the conversation with them but it's absolutely we do for something we do for ourselves and it's not something we can ask somebody else to no. do for us either that's no. not it's not how it works it's not saying that what's happened 
is okay. And that for me was the most, I had to sit with that and I had to say, I'm not saying that what you did was okay. In fact, and this can be for anyone out there, I wrote a massive letter to this person and their spirit and I said, what you did was not okay and these are the ways that it harmed me. This was the impact it had on my life. This is what it stole from me. This is what I've had to claw my way back from and now this is what I want and in saying that and putting energy into that means I wish also to set you free and I don't want to ever have that experience again and I don't wish to have a connection with you again. And that for me was my physical way of saying it is done. And it is magic. And then I wrote a letter it's, to myself of forgiveness saying you're an innocent child, you had no idea the game you were dragged into and there was nothing that you could have done to defend yourself because it was completely set up for you to be available to that person so that you could be abused. And I love you and I retrieve you and I bring you back to me and we're going to move forward from this. And again, incredibly emotional experience, no one else in the room, piece of paper and a pen. And then I think we've talked about the burning bowl before out to the backyard and I set that free and then went and did something kind for myself, showed myself compassion. Because there is two different types of forgiveness, isn't there? There's the forgiveness that we, the external when we forgive other people and the internal when we forgive ourselves. And personally, I find the internal, for some reason I can like forgive other people and be like, oh, well, you're human. And then when it comes to forgiving myself, I'm like, no, you may never yeah. be forgiven. For- and, and, well, and Carolee, that's really about how we see our inner child. If we can be gentle on ourselves and and see ourselves as innocent children walking home, really, you know. But anyone who's struggling with forgiveness, I say replace the word forgiveness with setting free so that you can oh, release yeah. the load and move on. And when there is space, especially in the heart chakra, nature deplores a vacuum. So as soon as there's a space, the universe will work out how they can restructure it to make it full again and to, to bring in growth. I am constantly amazed by the stories of forgivenesses that you sometimes hear about somebody who's had a child murdered by somebody else yeah. and they not only forgive the other person but kind of almost adopt that person as then they take them Through on their as compassion their passion and understanding superpower like mm. i don't i'm not even close to there i don't know how you get there i am i don't know how you don't try awe. to move towards that because the pain of not trying to accept or move or understand what or what the lesson or journey is mm. in that loss I can understand would be really hard. Stuck in your fury, like oh, to have righteous fury about that yeah, would feel sure. really good for a long mm. time. Yeah, and it does take time. Yeah, in some cultures, for example, in Hawaiian culture, I remember when we were organizing to get married someone said well are you gonna you know make peace with the tribes and so many people said that there are whole cultures that they make sure everyone's good with everyone else before they marry the tribe because you're bringing energies together and I always say to people because marriage is the sacrament of the heart chakra when you have a marriage when you go to get married you think you're having a party, but you're actually having a heart chakra ritual and everything that is in your heart chakra, fear, 
anything you haven't forgiven, your history and family forgiveness with your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your best friend, it's liable to come up because it's actually a ritual and it's actually the merging of two heart chakra energies. When I'm at a wedding, I often see the lines of energy cross and the angels shift from one person to the other. So you can actually get this kind of union of their energy field sometimes. It's that powerful. As somebody who's been divorced recently, it can happen a bit in divorce as well. As weird oh, you as have that to might undo sound, the process. You undo it. But there's like there's such a potential for healing mm. that comes from a divorce and that we no longer have to nut it out. We no longer have to solve this problem. We can lovingly let each other we go. We can consciously we uncouple. Can, it's I, not I a hate, dirty word. I hate it, but it's, but it's no, what but I it's did true. and it, it's, it's a powerful process. I feel mm. like for me personally the conscious uncoupling was as emotionally powerful as the getting married in the first place. And there was that much well, healing and support in there. Well, there's a peace in actually there. taking it. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. And you'll probably have moments and you probably can attest to this where you're like, no, I'm good with it now. And whoa, that just came up. And then you have to redo it. And even friendships. You might yeah. have let really good friendships go recently or long ago. And they're still coming up t- for healing. Totally and completely 100% forgiven. Forgiveness is absolutely the bomb. And then once you've forgiven, I think what happens is you can move into a state of grace. And a state of grace is really about having that connection to the universe, which is it's this magic energy where you're able to be in place of I guess, divine love. So you might show grace for somebody where you you um, are holding a space for them that they can't hold for themselves, meaning they might come to you and say, I'm so sorry, I wasn't able to fulfill this experience for you or I couldn't do it. And rather than, you know, ripping open the fabric of their world and crushing them and taking from them and you say, you know what, I'm just going to show grace and I... I re- I'd say it's okay. Just go. And it's also a little bit like acting from, it's like a bit WWGD, right? What would God yeah. do? Which is like such a hard way as a human to make any of our decisions because we're not, we're not God. We're like living in this material world. But it is a little bit going, I, there's a divine plan and I may not like it, but I'm going to go with it and I'm not going to try and seek all of the vengeance or whatever here on this plane. I'm going to like let, mm. let karma sort it yeah, out. Yeah, right? mystical. It's a mystical act being graceful where maybe you gave something you didn't have to give or you showed someone love and compassion and forgiveness in a space that wasn't really in your thought consciousness or you didn't physically think you were capable of. I think it's in, it's acting in the highest energy version of ourselves. And Carolyn Meese wrote a whole book on this and she did an amazing study on it because she loved it so much. And if you get to go into her work on it, you'll you'll see that the reason she loves it so much is that when you show grace or you act in grace or you live in grace, the miracles and the capacity for synchronization and manifestation and healing that we talked about were parts of the heart chakra energy anyway, accelerate. And her stories and the people's stories that she collected over the years were so inspiring and powerful that it basically says if you can get to this phase of your journey and you can live in this energy, even when you think that everything is done and there is no hope and all is lost, magic and miracle can happen by simply being in the frequency of grace. 
I just love that. So grace, compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, they're all active. There's something that you have to work on. There's something you have to be an active participant in. Love really, and the way we show love, it's not just words. It's like a doing word, right? Feeling love for someone isn't kind of enough. Feeling love for yourself isn't enough. Um, You've got to then act from that place. You've got to um, kind of uh, show that love. So let's talk about how people do show love. Yeah, there's that beautiful book called The Languages of Love, and they talk about the five ways that love is expressed. And the first one is words of affirmation. The second one is through physical touch. The third one is receiving gifts. The fourth one is quality time. And the fifth one is acts of service. Now we all show love in one of those five ways, or it can be even probably a collection of those experiences. And we also enjoy receiving love or understand that we're receiving love via one of those five actions. And so it's interesting, isn't it? Because the way you give it might not be the way you receive it. People can get those wires all crossed. It can get really confusing. And the beautiful part of this book, and we'll put all the information about the book in the show notes, is that it talks about trying to get this really clear for yourself and get this really clear with others, particularly those that you have very intimate connection with or are trying to work with, because it will harmonize the way everybody feels. And I guess it also means that you know that you're filling that person up, that it's going towards their, you know, their love, their love meter is rising because of what you're doing rather than you're going to all this trouble to say all these beautiful things. And it means absolutely nothing to that person, even though it is a demonstration of your love, they haven't received it that way. And you can see how it's got so... (laughs) so weird hey in relationships because it's true that sometimes you're giving something and someone says oh I didn't even didn't blip on my radar that you did that for me yeah and I I like I'm a bit of an oral person I like to hear that you love me and so there's some people in my life who for years have been showing me that they love me by doing things Mm. for me and I haven't it just ha- it, it took me a really long time to go, oh, that's not just you being you. That's actually you expressing something. This is not just you doing a favor. This is how you say I love you. And I just, I haven't been able to hear it. I've been waiting for you to say the words and you're never going to say the words. And here you are, show, you know, you're, you're saying them with your hands. You're saying them with your actions. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. and It's like learning a new language, well, right? Yeah. And have you had this too? I hate talking on the phone because a lot of my work life is speaking to people over the phone. So for me, that's me working. But if you send me a text, I feel like we're connecting. I feel like we're engaging. I feel like I get to know what's going on in your life and I'm sending you emojis. But if you call me, I'm like, is there an emergency? So having a conversation, although I know is for especially many of my family members, a very strong indication that I've given them time. For me, that is, oh, it's the worst thing in the world I'd have to do for somebody at the end of a long day. Do you, have you found that technology has really altered this? Yeah, I mean, technology, I think, has made all of these conversations because now we have so many different ways to connect with people. And yeah, like I know my pet, like an older generation don't really see a text 
in the same way they see a conversation. The, the real, you know, conversation happens word to word on the phone. A text is like that kind of doesn't mean anything. We do, and God knows if I sent them a Snapchat or something, their brains would melt. Um, so there's all these new different ways that we communicate with each other and we share love for each other that... Like, I mean, even, I mean, this sound might kind of sound funny, but like, there's something different, isn't there? If you see somebody for your birthday and they're like, I got you a present and they hand it to you and here it is. And you're like, oh, you got me a present. You love me. Or if they send you a gift card over the internet for Amazon that they bought, energetically, it does feel different, doesn't it? Like it's both reaching out and going, I love you. And here's something for you. But for some reason, the gift card just doesn't feel as, um, at least for me personally, as, energetically loved up as the handing the gift to me, even if the gift card was for $500 and the gift you gave me was for $10. Yeah, right? well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it doesn't, it to me, that doesn't make any difference. But I think this is going to be an ongoing yeah, conversation right. because people are now sexually connecting, intimately connecting, exchanging heart chakras via the internet. They're actually having that connection you know, because they live in different places in the world and have to work in different places of the world. So this is going to become a really interesting ongoing conversation. Equally, how do I show love for myself now? Because Netflix has become this major thing. So is that a form of self-love if I give myself some time off and and go and show myself mm. Netflix and binge on a whole series? I, I can say I solidly feel joy which is one of the most powerful outcome energies of being in the heart chakra is natural experiences of spontaneous happiness which is joy so you know to think about you know how do you show love to others how do love energies come into you and then how do you show it for yourself I think these are big questions that we've got to sit on and know the answers to to create harmony Really big questions and just getting more and more important as time goes on. I think some of the most magic stories in this chakra are what people have achieved and done, created, transformed while they've been in this frequency. I don't think that will ever cease to amaze me. The level that this love frequency can hold space, including when people pass over. The stories of what happens when that energy transcends from physical world into spiritual world and the love bridge that allows the messages, whether it's the spirit of that person to come in a dream or to send a sign or a message or a wink. Oh, that make, oh, that's one of the reasons I do my job. Yeah, I'm going to throw a little more Harry Potter at you here with that <laughs> amazing quote that the people that we love never really leave us. No. And it's so true. Love and I, cannot die yeah it can't yeah yeah and I felt it before I had my intuitive awakening I felt it and then you have the intuitive awakening and you can see the other side and then you can see it and know it and it is a miracle isn't mm. it that's one of and, the miracles and of love it is as you describe this bridge mm. so when you feel as though you are disconnected and we were talking about this in physical relationships actually some of the times I've felt the most love for my partner and friends and even for my children is when I have not been with them and I've had to use that heart to have that connection and it actually builds the energy and it's the same when people pass over and absence makes the heart absence grow fonder. makes the heart grow fonder for sure. I think also, you know, we're talking about it as a creative force. The Japanese culture fascinates me, and there's this concept of ikigai, and it's where your passion, the things you love, 
what you feel like you want to give to the world or where you feel like the world needs you and then what you're really good at and what you want to be paid for all come together and it produces this purpose. But it's not just like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. It's what that's what I give. That's what I love. That's what I want to get out of bed for. And some of the oldest people on earth are still performing their ikigai and they get up every single day and they give and receive energy and it keeps them youthful. And I think it's so beautiful. The concept of ikigai is just so gorgeous. I feel like sometimes in the West we've gone a little bit skewed in that we've forgotten you're allowed to do things just because you love them. It doesn't have to be your job. Mm. It's fine if you're shit at violin but I you think love the millennials playing violin know it. I, <laughs> and you just want to like take, do violin. It's not a problem. I recently um, dressed up as a bee for my nephew's birthday party and it was awesome. I've got lemon heads. And I, no, it was queen bee and I just I enjoyed it so much. I love those kids so desperately. I was so pleased to to do this for them and I I did drama as a kid so you know I pulled it off and at the end of it everyone was like oh my god you should start a children entertainment party business and I was like no I shouldn't are you kidding me how about I just do that because I love two little boys in the world and it doesn't have to then like it's just something I love it doesn't have to be a job I don't have to monetize it I can just enjoy it Absolutely. We had that recently too because when my sister-in-law passed, we needed to mobilise things really quickly for them and the love that came through us kept us awake for weeks trying to negotiate and get everything they needed um, for their family to have funerals organised, their house to be ready because they just moved into a new house before she died. And the things we achieved and the community achieved 100% from the love of their heart was Moves phenomenal. Mountains. And when everyone came together for the funeral, I, f- I, I will honestly say this, there was a nothing but love for that day. And it was like walking through something I can't quite describe. When you're experiencing that kind of energy, I think that's when you realise it's divine because yeah, there was no outcome for anyone other than to just want everything to be right mm. you know in its intention it's so for those pure, people that you love isn't it yeah purity and in the universal treasure chest we've got the gratitude meditation mm. so that's a nice place to start Lynette can we please one day do some sort of agony aunt podcast where people just write into us with their love problems and we do just people attempt that? to solve them <laughs> do people want that I don't know do I want that yeah I I am so happy to answer (laughs) Agony Aunt type Dear Sugar's questions about relationships and relationships journey. I mean, I I think wanting to guide people towards fulfilling relationships and fulfilling purposes and experiences is what the heart chakra is all about. And I hope that, you know, in some way we can remind ourselves every day that we deserve that. Yes. Yes, indeed. We deserve to live a full life and not be pulled away from our heart all the time. Sometimes you've just got to take it back. Indeed. It's been such a pleasure talking with you today. Always. Support you. Support you. And, you know, let's face it, all you need is love. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Reverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realised you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.